I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast. The only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. In episode 137, we discuss the impact of Christian Pulisic on NBCSN's viewing figures, an interview with the head of Tudu NA to learn about Chivas TV, Spanish language Bundesliga TV rights, and more. Hope Solo makes her debut at BN Sports, first impressions of the new Bundesliga and La Liga seasons plus letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, and I am joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnayer. Now, Kartik, um, where shall we begin? I probably the best place to begin is uh, what we've been watching from this past week. Uh, was there one match in particular that stood out for you as um, the most interesting or, or most exciting match? Yeah, I think that the two matches that were the most interesting for me were um, two matches early in the week. Uh, Bayern Hertha, which was an absolutely fantastic match, although a moment of madness uh, rescued a draw for uh, for uh, Bayern. Uh, fantastic match, two-two match at the Allianz, uh, 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 and Bayern reacted by within an hour. Uh, linking themselves to Philip Coutinho, who now has arrived at Bayern. <laughs> That's how they reacted to not winning that match and falling behind Dortmund in the table. And then the other f- really fantastic match I watched was Aston Villa Bournemouth. Now, uh, people who know me and even closely, including those who play Fantasy Premier League with me, think that I, I'm a closeted Bournemouth fan. Maybe I am. Uh, I'm constantly picking Bournemouth players on my fantasy team every year I've been playing, uh, which gets coincided with. Uh, first year I played was the first year Eddie Howe had that team promoted so um, that's uh, that's quite possible and so I'm, I, I'm constantly watching them but I also think Aston Villa with uh, all of their new signings in addition to uh, guys like McGinn and Grealish who were so good in the championship and Dean Smith's style have made that a very fun team to watch so that was a really fun game and I would throw in there as a bonus any match that involves Sheffield United has been fun thus far this season, although uh, Crystal Palace is woeful, so uh, that negated a little bit of it on Sunday. Yeah, and we'll get into Sheffield United in a little bit. They've been kind of the uh, surprise team in, in, in many different ways so far this season. Uh, for, for me, my favourite match of the week was um, Athletic against Barcelona, the opener to La Liga season on Friday, and this was a match that um, Barcelona didn't look that good, for, sh- uh, for sure. Luis Suarez got, came off injured uh, pretty early. He's been poor uh, in the International Champions Cup. Um, so not a great performance by Barcelona, but just a, 
just a fantastic um, overhead bicycle kick from uh, I think it was uh, Urures, I think from yeah. uh, Athletic uh, to win the game and to send a shocker opening day of the season. So um, what I liked about this game, especially too, just um, with all the controversy about La Liga and where it was headed and having it back on being sports, but just watching this game in HD. Uh, on a Amazon Fire Stick uh, through Fubo, and just the picture was crystal clear. The audio levels were sp- were perfect, and um, I always love last couple of seasons, especially La Liga's on-screen graphics and augmented re- reality, and all the special effects that they pull out for for these these games. And it was a, it was. Um, from the just watching it from from kind of a, a technical production point of view was great, and the game itself was um, maybe didn't match that quite quality, but the, the goal did for, for sure. What was yeah. in, what was interesting? Oh. What was interesting though, Kartik, was that uh, this is the first time pretty much I had a chance to see uh, Hope Solo uh, on being sports, and also uh, uh, new hire Kaylin Kyle, the Canadian uh, footballer too, and. Uh, it's early days, but it's they're both still finding their feet. Um, but I think they've got a long way to go before they get to a point where they're going to be able to provide some really, um, I guess, convincing discussion analysis. It just seems that um, I don't know. It, it was a weak start from my perspective in terms of what I was watching. Uh, I'm not sure if it was just they were trying too hard or just it, it sounded very scripted. Uh, it sounded very rehearsed, and it, it may not have been, but. Uh, hopefully uh, those two will get better with more experience under the belt but it, it was the, the opening weekend for them now um, in terms of something else I saw this past week Kartik and I know you saw a bunch of things too in terms of uh, coverage two things I do, I do want to point out and these are two complete different extremes I decided to sit down because I, I saw a bunch of the promos for Inside the Mind of Jose Mourinho uh, which NBC Sports is being um, featuring or talking about or discussing so I thought you know let me go back into the YouTube uh, onto NBC Sports and, and watch that and, and see and see what I think and, and I was blown away by how poor this was. I couldn't get... There's a four-part series. Uh, Sky Sports originally ran it. Uh, Now NBC is doing it in a four-part series. I couldn't get past the first part. Reason being is that, I mean, not surprisingly, but but to to watch this, I mean, Jose is so full of himself. I, I don't think there's anyone in the world of soccer that has such a big ego as him. And in that first episode, he's sitting in the car... He's driving, I think, from the port or the airport uh, into his town where he grew up, which was interesting. Uh, but he's talking about himself in the third person with Gary Cottrell from Sky Sports. And it was just, I, I just could not get past it. I'm like, this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, this is a man who, rather than, say, having the interviewer ask the questions about, so tell me about how you, you where you grew up and who are you, some of your biggest influences or... It was all about him talking about him being wonderful and, and he was waiting for the next big opportunity. If a Premier League club came along, uh, he'd be interested. But if it's a championship or, or a second tier, he wouldn't be interested. And going through this whole rationale about how he was... It was basically almost kind of a demo tape for himself to try and land another big job. Which, if I'm any chairman of any major club, I would run far, far away from him. But anyway, that, that, was, that was disappointing. I did not get past the first part there. <clears throat> what I did get past, well, actually, I started watching a new series on uh, Amazon Fire, uh, on Amazon Prime, and it is as good in the first episode as Sunderland Till I Die, 
which is saying a lot. And this is a new one. Uh, it was just released on, on Amazon. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can get it through there. But it's called Take Us Home, Leeds United. And it's uh, narrated by Leeds United supporter Russell Crowe. And it's the story of a sleeping giant. It's, it's a behind-the-scenes um, documentary about last season, the 2018-19 season, under uh, Marcelo Bielsa. And this one, holy cow, the first episode sets it up to be... Hopefully the rest of the series is going to be as good, but I watched the first episode and I was blown away and I'm really excited about watching this one. I'm I'm not a Leeds United fan, but they take you, I mean, a lot of interviews with the fans, the diehard fans, um, the the chairman, the history, the, the, the kind of the local reporters. This is really, really riveting stuff. So if you do get a chance to watch it or if you're thinking about getting an Amazon Prime, check it out. It's called uh, Take Us Home, Leeds United. Let me jump in there and mention that this is football. Uh, I've been watching the, those periodically. That came out earlier in the month on Prime, uh, Amazon Prime as well. It's a, uh, a kind of a far-reaching documentary that looks at various uh, aspects of the sport in different parts of the world. And the first episode is on Liverpool supporters in Rwanda and uh, even goes back to the 1980s and Ian Rush and Kenny Daglish and, and uh, how uh, – supporters in that African country, which was beset by civil war, uh, bonded to Liverpool because of those two players, and Peter Beardsley also, who of course now has become a little more of a controversial figure, uh, and then also has a dramatic uh, retelling of the 2005 Champions League final in Istanbul and how it was uh, viewed in Rwanda. So that's a really, really neat uh, uh, series, and that's six episodes. That's also on Amazon Prime. So we're not shilling for Amazon here, but they're two really good soccer documentary series that they put out just in this past month on, on Prime. Yeah, and I seem to waver. Sometimes I'll be on Netflix on a, on a Netflix kick for a while, watching documentaries there, and then I run out of good ones to watch there. And then I'll, sometimes I'll switch over to Amazon and see about getting a trial through them and see what stuff's available through that uh, that streaming uh, provider. But um, looking at this past weekend's Kartik, uh, the Premier League, we haven't talked about the Premier League yet. Uh, what were your, what was your take on the coverage? Because we covered this in, in a lot of detail in the first episode last week, uh, Christian Pulisic. And kind of the uh, really kind of overdone um, focus on him, but how was it for you for in the second weekend? It was the same. I mean, it was uh, the promotions were all about Pulisic. Uh, so much of the talk was all about Pulisic. Now uh, he had the sort of match that he had a lot of at Dortmund last season. Again, people uh, would criticize me for my um, analysis of uh, of Pulisic. I wouldn't even call it criticism, and. Uh, uh, last season when they were not watching Dortmund play the way I was, and there was a reason he wasn't regularly starting for them. And there's all kinds of spin, even uh, this past week, people telling me, oh, well, when he started at the end of the season, they almost won the title. Well, yeah, but they were ahead in the table uh, when he wasn't starting, right? And and uh, uh, the, the critical match where they started to give away points was the match where um, Favre, uh, their manager, rotated him in and, and sat Sancho and Royce. Uh, rotated, rotated him and Brune Larson in, and it was a disaster. But that's uh, that's neither here nor there. Point is, um, same thing leading up to that Chelsea match. He played um, very poorly, according to most people, in that match. Now, I would say that was a Pulisic performance. I don't think that it was extraordinarily bad, as extraordinarily bad as some people say it was, because I've seen that before. I saw that much of last season. Uh, again, I watched Dortmund. Most of the people who were lauding him did not. Uh, so... 
Post-match, very little conversation about him. Monday, uh, they, they, they have Wolves in Manchester United, uh, and uh, it's Ahmed Farid, uh, Musto, and Earl, and we never hear Pulisic's name for, for an hour in pregame. So uh, maybe they're moving on. I, I thought it was much, much better. Uh, the, the first week, I was um, not as appalled as you were, although I was pretty upset with the first week's coverage. Uh, second week, I, I didn't think it was uh, this past weekend. I didn't think it was, it was too bad. Um, like for example, the Chelsea Leicester game, I really appreciated that the halftime analysis was mostly focused on Mason Mount, and deservedly so. I mean, that was. Um, I mean, again, again, two weeks in a row that he's had great performances, and um, I thought they did well in not trying to go overboard with with, with Pulisic. You uh, I mean he had a good game, definitely. But uh, now the advertising is a whole different story in terms of promotion and the ads that they're running, which is, I'm sure, a completely separate department that has nothing to do with the the, the TV production ed- editorial side. And in that, I mean, at the end of the day, they're trying to generate as much viewership as possible. And when we get to the TV ratings, we'll talk about whether that's having an impact. They're just trying to sell him as, I mean, one of the main stories to get people to watch the games. That I have. I don't know that 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 does bother me. I mean, especially when you're kind of promoing, you mean a big game in the weekend, and his face is splattered over everything. Uh, right. That that bothers me from from an advertising advertising perspective. I do understand what they're trying to do, but it, it, I, don't, it also I just don't like it. Me, a couple of points here. It also bothers me from an American perspective because. Uh, they, we have had lots of good American players in the Premier League. I, I know I took a, a real beating a couple of weeks ago when I said we've had uh, other outside of you know the EU, we've had one of the biggest impacts in the Premier League along with Argentina, Nigeria, Australia, etc. Uh, obviously, a lot of people don't like American players or, or stereotype American players, so they thought that was ridiculous. But we really have, particularly ten years ago, right when you had the Dempseys and the McBrides and the Bocanegras and um, uh, etc. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could go on, Claudio Reyna in, in in the league. Um, but the last few years we've had uh, DeAndre Yedlin did move to Tottenham. He didn't work out there, although he has become a regular Premier League player at other clubs since. Uh, there hasn't been this sort of attention on him. Uh, Matt Miazga did start a few Premier League matches for Chelsea immediately after he transferred uh, from uh, from MLS, the same exact club. There wasn't this sort of focus on him. Now, he had a horrible match against Swansea, which I'm sure you remember well, and he hasn't played since. Uh, But he did start that match and came out at halftime. So that bothers me. Now, back to the studio, I want to give huge props to Robbie Musto for halftime of Chelsea Leicester. Because at the time, remember, Chelsea were all over Leicester for the first 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. And uh, then uh, it seemed like the guys like Mount and Pulisic, particularly the younger players, had run themselves ragged. in, in that in that first half, Musto made the observation at halftime. The last fifteen minutes or so from Chelsea, he didn't think they were as sharp. He didn't think they showed as much energy. This wasn't as obvious to viewers, to a lot of viewers, and to people on Twitter uh, at the very same time. And that if they don't regain that in the second half, Leicester's going to get something from the match. And he was spot on. So that's that's the kind of analysis we've gotten used to hearing from NBC. And I'm glad. Um, Musto brought that back into the picture uh, at halftime of this match instead of us talking about Pulisic or talking about yeah. uh, Paul Pogba. You know, they, they just focused on uh, these sort of sensational headlines the first few weeks. And, and that's been the key. One of the keys to the success of NBC Sports has been the analysis. I mean, that's the reason that we keep on coming back. I mean, we, you and I, Kartik, don't have to turn in, uh, tune in pre-match early or wake up early on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning to watch this analysis. But we do because there's a reason for it. For the most part, it's usually we 
almost always learn something from it or there's some insight or Neil Ashton comes on board and gives us a scoop about something. There's a reason to watch. But if it is so focused on one player and, I mean, how much more can you say about one player in such a such a beginning of the season? Um, it, it's a turnoff. It's a turnoff. Uh, I'm, I'm not a Chelsea fan by any means, but it, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm watching this because I want to know what's happening. I want to be... I want to enhance my appreciation of the teams uh, and the clubs and the game that I'm watching. I, I don't want it to be focused on one player. Yeah. And, it, and it, I guess it's, it's, it's almost like a, a gateway drug. They're hoping that they bring people in on this. And then and then hopefully maybe, for, I mean, for, uh, we saw in the second week, hopefully this good analysis that we've been used to since 2013 will continue. And, and that's where they, they focus most of their efforts on. Yeah, let me, let me say this. I mean, I am a Pulisic fan. I, I've been critical of him or have been an analytical about him because I thought he dropped off at Dortmund last season. Was At 20, he he uh, uh, he hasn't been as strong as he was at, at uh, 18, in my opinion, as a player. But that happens with guys as they progress. Uh, you know, and his former teammate, Usman Dembele, is worse at 21 than he was at 18 uh, from Barcelona. <laughs> you saw that on, uh, on Friday. But... Um, uh, but my point is, I think all of this pressure being put on Pulisic is bad for him. I think there is no way he can meet the level of expectation NBC and a lot of American soccer fans are putting on him. It is a landmark that he uh, has gone to the, a club like Chelsea. You know, we had a Gucci on we'll go to AC Milan. I was so excited that morning. I think you remember that, Chris, 10 yep. years ago yep. when he signed with Milan and then he got hurt right away. All of us, myself included, I learned from that. I put a lot of pressure on him saying, this is great. We're going to have a guy at one of the top clubs in Serie A, Champions League. This was at a time when Milan was a lot bigger than they are now. Uh, they had just won the Champions League, by the way, a year earlier. So, uh, or two years earlier. And we're consistently in Champions League finals and semifinals at that point. And uh, he, it, it, it ruined his career. So I'm cognizant of that, that at 20... Uh, he's about to be 21. Christian Pulisic has to be um, – there has to be some reason and some nuance around him. And we can't get carried away because, like I said, people thought he was horrible on Sunday. I thought that was a typical performance from what I saw last season at Dortmund. He would he would take guys on. He'd do okay on the dribble. Uh, he'd do okay in possession. But then there were times he'd give the ball away. And then out, out of possession, he's, he's perennially – positioned wrong and um there were huge gaps between chelsea's midfield and, and chelsea's defensive line which opened things up for lester um that's just a typical performance so i wasn't overly critical and it's because people's expectations have been built up to this being you know i don't know the american mm -hmm. maradona or something that uh uh they were they were very unhappy with his with his play on sunday so i i think you're doing the player also a disservice yeah, it, it could come back to haunt NBC Sports if they build him up into, I mean, I guess, again, all the advertising, the promos. I mean, any ad you see for uh, NBC's coverage of the Premier League now pretty much always has uh, his face on it, is that for the mainstream who don't know, who come in on this and expect this to be the, the next great American player, uh, and he is a great player, but, but I mean, kind of on the highest pedestal, uh, it could actually um, be a kind of a slap in the face too if if those performances don't meet their expect expectations, which is unfair on Christian. And uh, yeah. that's something that hopefully, hopefully, I mean, it looks like NBC has tempered that over analysis and over uh, infatuation. Uh, and again, I think we'll have to wait and see and continue throughout this uh, season. This Saturday is it's the opening game. It's Norwich against uh, Chelsea on a Saturday morning early kickoff. 
Uh, so we shall see. We'll see um, what they do and how they focus on the clubs and individual players and performances. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully it'll be focused more on the performances and whoever kind of rises up will be focused on rather than just one player. All right, Kartik, let's move on to uh, TV streaming news. And uh, this first piece of news of it is interesting because I haven't heard much about it uh, being covered up by anyone. Yeah, so ESPN has signed an exclusive multimedia agreement for worldwide rights to the NWSL's regular season matches. So this includes um, uh, this includes streaming, etc., which has been on Yahoo Sports, and then prior to that was on Copa Ninety, which was part of uh, uh, Verizon. Correct. Um, so so this was announced uh, uh, last week uh, by the NWSL, and there just has not been that much uh, uh, discussion or coverage of it. Yeah, it's strange too because even the uh, the NWSL deal that um, ESPN did with um, in, the, in the United States. So when they announced that they were going to be uh, broadcasting many of the games from now to the end of the season, that was done on I think it was July fourth. It was on on a yeah. holiday weekend. The news I think the Equalizer broke the news on July fourth, and then they had to put out a press release. Probably the worst possible time. Any time of the year, especially at the end of the week also, too, on top of that, uh, to issue a, a news announcement. And here we go with this news, too. I mean, it's positive. I mean, hopefully this will help the NW, uh, NWSL globally in terms of uh, greater, you know, I guess, uh, awareness of the league. But uh, but again, it, it was kind of flew under the radar, which is why I wanted to be sure to include it. Next up, next up in the news, uh, Bean Sports has announced the addition of Magisterial to its programming lineup. The primetime show will feature Ray Hudson with former Canadian national soccer team footballer Kaylin Kyle and a weekly guest from the soccer and entertainment world. Um, I think the first week's episode had uh, Thomas Rongan on it. Uh, the national show will be televised every Monday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Bean Sports and will be supplemented by a podcast called Magisterial, the podcast. Now, I believe this is replacing The Locker Room in English, um, which is every Monday on Bean Sports, uh, Monday nights, and usually would have a, you know, a Kay, Kay Murray and, and Ray and sometimes Gary Bailey or Thomas Rongan and some others. Um, the Locker Room will continue in Spanish, but it looks like they've made some moves here to drop that show from the English side and then add uh, this uh, Ray Hudson show. All right, Kartik, uh, big week this week uh, coming up. Yeah, Serie A starts this weekend, uh, the final of the uh, major European leagues to start, of the big five European leagues, as we call them. Uh, starts this weekend on the uh, ESPN family of networks. Matteo Benetti and Mark Donaldson will be commenting on Parma, Juve, and then Roma, Genoa. Uh, both are interesting matches, and uh, unfortunately, uh, I mean, I, I, with these two, these are two of the best in the business, Matteo and, and, and Mark. Hopefully the Juve game doesn't get consumed with Neymar talk. And the potential Neymar going there, just want to point out, ESPN FC all week um, as they and, 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 and give analysis to other topics it has been consumed by Neymar so yeah. uh, he's certainly looming large on everything going on at the big clubs in Europe yeah and, and today it's it's Thursday we're recording this podcast and, and the talk today or this morning so far has been talking about perhaps going to Real Madrid so maybe yeah. maybe if they focus on the Real Madrid side angle uh, they won't have to kind of talk about the Juve angle there but right. um, yeah it's just uh it's a circus, uh, for sure. <laughs> right. So, um, so some news that is in related to ESPN Plus is that uh, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but Disney Plus, uh, the launch date has been confirmed for globally, um, actually in the US, November the twelfth. 
So remember that the uh, the twelve ninety nine offer that we mentioned in the US will be for Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu all bundled together. No word yet though on on the upgrade pricing. So if you have ESPN Plus currently for the four ninety five a month, how much extra it'll cost to get the Disney Plus plus um, Hulu added and bundled all together. But for now, that's just a heads up. November twelfth is the actual launch date, and I'm sure we'll have more news. Um, in the weeks running up to that, about how that'll work. The other thing, Kartik, is that uh, AT&T TV Now, uh, which is the renamed DirecTV Now, has launched their pricing models and, and also what channels they, they offer. Uh, we've got a page on worldsoccertalk.com that goes into a lot more detail that has all the listings for AT&T uh, TV now. But the big news is that um, not surprisingly, there's no Bean Sports. I mean, still, um, uh, DirecTV does not have a deal with Bean Sports. And if a, d- a deal is signed in the future, which which I hear there's rumblings that a deal could be possible, that um, then hopefully then the the other AT&Ts, such as AT&T, TV Now, and UVerse, etc., will go ahead and add Bean Sports back on. But the pricing on this AT&T TV Now, which is the streaming service, is is crazy. I mean, that that the top tier package they have is this is just streaming one thirty five a month, one hundred and thirty five dollars a month. That's that's their ultimate package. They've got another one that's one hundred and twenty four dollars a month, another one that's one hundred and ten dollars a month. It almost seems with AT and T, in terms of uh, if you're a Direct TV customer and you call up Direct TV and say, "Hey, I'm getting ready. I, w- I want to cancel my Direct TV." A subscription service uh, for, through a satellite. It's just too expensive. And the, the person on the phone might say, oh, well, if you want to, um, we've got some streaming packa- packages available. Would you be interested in that? And probably the person's going to say, yeah, I want to cut the cord and go streaming. Once they kind of share some of these prices about what how much it costs, they might say, you know what? I'm going to stick with DirecTV. Actually, the value is probably, you know, it, maybe, maybe I pay about the same amount of money, maybe a little bit more, but I can keep my satellite dish and keep all these channels and I'll have to go through and pick and choose from these different packages and pay what seems to be less value for, for fewer channels. That, that, that's the take I get on it is, is just basically the AT&T is trying to control the experience, the customer experience, and scare them away from streaming in order to keep them on DirecTV. Um, that's my take on it, but those prices are absolutely scandalous. All right, let's move on to uh, TV ratings, Kartik. Uh, a lot to take in and some interesting ones. So let's take a look at those right now. So the big one, Kartik, would be uh, from this past weekend was uh, Club America against uh, Morelia, uh, Monarchus Morelia in Liga MX across the Univision channels. This one, 1.2 million viewers watched this one on Saturday night. And uh, also Saturday was the, um, the Spurs match and uh on nbc and this one was of course the man city spurs game uh 1.04 million people watched this one on nbc we don't have the the viewing numbers for the spanish language side yet uh, uh club Lyon against chivas on the univision channels again 984,000 viewers there so i've got a long list of all of them the actual tv ratings again we'll have them at worldsoccertalk.com that goes into more detail the um, a few things to throw out there, Christian Pulisic in terms of uh, the comparison for week number two. So uh, week number one was a difficult one to kind of really look at and to see how much of an impact 
that viewing number had because the opposition was Manchester United, which has historically been um, the best supported or best uh, watched uh, game on oh, club on NBC Sports over the, the history of them broadcasting soccer uh, since 2013. But this one, I, I went back to the the same weekend last year, so the second game week, and then I looked at that game that was on at the same time, and that was um, Brighton against Man United. So a comparison to, between Chelsea and Leicester and Brighton and Manchester United uh, and the broadcast, uh, the, the viewership change was that the, Chris, the Chelsea-Leicester game featuring Christian Pulisic had a, an increase of viewership of about 20%. And, and that I can see. I can see that being very plausible. People tuning into a Chelsea-Leicester game probably maybe say maybe more likely uh, just because he's playing and you've got a 20% bump. So, so that's good. Um, for the second week in a row, though... Uh, we, we even saw a bump... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, we even saw a bump for a few weeks in Newcastle matches last season after Miguel Almiron went from Atlanta United. Remember, yeah. I remember mentioning that on the show, that there was uh, a bump. So I think there's this curiosity factor the first few weeks. Yeah. And now Almiron has been at Newcastle for eight months. There was not as much interest from Atlanta United fans. I don't know if that will happen with Pulisic eventually. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess. And again, too, a lot of it's based on playing time, too, to see how much, um, I mean, is he going to start every game? I mean, Williams, I mean, um, an ad- adequate uh, replacement in many ways and can add, I mean, he's a free kick specialist. He can definitely add a different dynamic. So I think. When Adoy comes back, I don't know how much Pulisic will play. I mean, but that's still a ways away. Yeah. Uh, but he's going to have to improve because I think Callum Hudson Adoy, although we don't know how Hudson Adoy is going to come back, if he's going to look as sharp as he did before that injury. But that's that's potentially the same sort of thing he had with Sancho at Borussia Dortmund, where there's just a an Englishman who is a little more seasoned, a little sh- not seasoned, but uh, again, a younger Englishman to him that is sharper and more incisive and, 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 and better positional sense that takes his spot, just like what happened at Dortmund with Jaden Sancho. Now, for the second week in a row, the one of the biggest talking points in this section about TV ratings has been Sheffield United. Um, in the first week, we talked about them because... Um, Sheffield United's match against, um, was it uh, Bournemouth, I think, actually had yeah. twice as many viewers as um, as the, I think it was the, the two MLS games, the, the two biggest MLS games that weekend. Now, for the second week in a row, nearly promoted Sheffield United. This time, we were watched by more than twice as many viewers as a major MLS game on, on US TV this past Sunday, which was the late game. I think it was the Portland-Atlanta uh, game, if I remember, remember correctly. Yep. Yep. And, um, I mean, what are your thoughts on this, Kartik? Is this just a coincidence? Is this, um, is what would be a reason for somebody tuning in to watch a Sheffield United Crystal Palace game on a Sunday morning at nine o'clock in the morning and, and that game have more viewership than a game that would be on at 10 p.m. Eastern time, you mean 7 p.m. Pacific prime time for the West Coast, uh, featuring, um, two of the most popular teams in terms of, um, uh, kind of, uh, fan bases in the United States. Uh, Portland and Atlanta. 
Yeah, first off, I, I watched both these matches, so I can speak to it. Atlanta, Portland, uh, uh, I, there's a lot of criticism from, I guess, stylists about DeBoer, who loved uh, 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 loved the previous coach, Martino, uh, in Atlanta. But I, Atlanta is fine for me to watch. Portland, I worked with Gio Savarese, loved the guy in NASL, but his teams are very, when they're bad, they're very difficult to watch. And I, I fell asleep during this match. And that was because of Portland. That was not because of um, Atlanta. So it was late. And- and it was tough to pay attention, to be honest with you. Right. Now, um, uh, uh, and I love Gio. Don't get me wrong. It's just the style of football that his teams have always played, going back to the Cosmos, is sometimes uh, when they're off, they're they're tough to watch. And then um, uh, this game, Sheffield United, there's something very entertaining about the way they play. This inverted uh, uh, center-back concept, the, um, the free-flowing nature of how they're playing under Chris Wilder, how they attack. They've kept their team from the championship intact. They've added Ollie McBurney, obviously a player you're very familiar with, uh, is uh, uh, going to be an exciting player for them. So I don't know if there's interest because they were newly promoted or if it's some sort of coincidence because I don't think anyone is is, is interested in watching Crystal Palace this season. I'm just going to say that. I think they, they – I've been talking with friends. This is a team, unless they get it on track, this is a team that could have um, one of the historic low point figures for a season, maybe 20 points this season. They're that bad um, with Zaha not plugged in. So it couldn't be for Palace. And Bournemouth, like I said, I'm partic- I'm entertained by Bournemouth, and I like watching them the previous week. But I think there was more interest in Sheffield United as a newly promoted team in that match. And then there were people who watched that match who said, you know, they were fun to watch. They play a different style of football. There's, they play a style of football no one else plays in uh, in English football with the way they use their their, their, their back line yep. and the way their, their central midfielders play as well. Uh, I, I really I – mean, this is a tactical show, so I don't have time to, to explain it. But what I think there is a significant amount of curiosity because of the way they play, their English core, they're newly promoted, and that way they play is, is very entertaining. So I'm guessing it has to do with them more than the opposition. I don't think anyone wants to watch Palace, quite frankly. I think that they're going to be down this entire season. So I give Sheffield United credit. They're, this is what pr- uh, promotion and relegation does. is new teams, new faces, new styles of play that ultimately draws fans who are curious to watch them. The, the, there is definitely an element of the promoted teams. I mean, Aston Villa you talked about in the first first segment, and, and they're – an exciting team to watch. I mean, a lot of um, young players, a lot, a lot of um, different energy. And, and say, watching that club and, and watching the Sheffield United, um, I mean, they, they add a lot of variety and spontaneity to the league. And um, I mean, I'm not missing Fulham going down. I mean, it adds, <laughs> adds, adds some life to, to, to the Premier League and actually inject Norwich City. I mean, it's been a perfect example with, with Pookie. Yeah. Pookie was fantastic last season. I picked him to be on my FPL team this season. He's done <laughs> marvelously well because we know what type of player he is. But even the style of that football club, I mean, that adds adds a lot of sparkle to your enjoyment of the game. So it adds a different element to go, go okay, all right, this season, there's going to be some new story points or some new teams I'm going to watch more closely. I, I, th- I think it's a coincidence, though, in terms of Sheffield United. Nothing against Sheffield United. I mean, it's a good team. Chris Wilder's doing a, a fantastic job. NBC Sports, with the two Robbies, did a great analysis piece about talking about their overlapping centre-backs, um, I think pre-game, and really zeroed in on how revolutionary that this method was. But I think it's a coincidence, because at the end of the day, if you have any Premier League game on, 
So whether it's 9 o'clock in the morning, whether it's early kickoff at 7 o'clock in the morning, if it's noon, if it's 10 p.m. Eastern time, if they find some magic way to adjust the time zones where we're watching Premier League matches at 10 p.m. Eastern time, those games are going to do better than Major League Soccer, no matter what time Major League Soccer games are on. And it's because, to me, it's all about relevancy. These games matter. There's a, there's a reason that people are tuning in to watch these games. Um, sometimes it not, may not be in terms of the, the technical ability or the technical um, what's on, on the pitch itself. It means that these these games matter. Every single game, if this team goes down, you mean look talk about Crystal Palace, that'd be a horrible season for them in terms of you mean uh, the implica- implications of that. And with Zaha, you know that they'll be fighting throughout the year to try to stay up, and it's going to be some great watch, some great entertainment watching that team. With Major League Soccer, I mean, we're in, what, late, almost late August. And yes, now the games are starting to heat up and starting to matter more. But where has this been since March? And and there's really less of a reason to tune in and say, OK, I have to tune in at 10 p.m. Eastern to watch this game. And yes, it's late if you go to work on a Monday morning. But what I'm saying is that, again, it could be the Premier League and it could be any time people will find a way, will do whatever it takes to sit down and watch that game if it matters. And it does matter. And that's the thing with Major League Soccer and a lot of the uh, the fanboys, especially, is they zero in on the time and say, oh, "Well, of course, like Saturday mornings is a much better time for soccer games, or Sunday mornings is a much time better time for soccer games." And it is that way for a lot of reasons for a lot of people because they've made it that way. You mean if if you took the Premier League out of this this picture out of the equation, sat down with a blank piece of paper and said, "Okay." If I was to try to figure out the best times to have games scheduled, where I'm going to attract the most viewership for games, I mean, for, for soccer fans from around the country nationally, I'd say it's prime time, a prime time Saturday night game, a prime time Sunday night game, maybe a double header on, on a Sunday afternoon. Those are the perfect times, and Major League Soccer has that. But then now that they have that and they've had it for a long time, it's not working. So they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe we should have games at this time or this. Oh, maybe we should have a game of the week. And they've done that. They've had the Thursday night game of the week. They had the Friday night game of the week. They've had the Saturday uh, game of the week. They've tried all the possible things possible to make the, the TV ratings work. And they're not working. They're plateauing. And, and maybe there's a little bit of growth um, on the Spanish side. And there's a little bit of growth on the over-the-air Fox side. But as last season, as we saw, ESPN TV ratings were down, FS1 TV ratings were down. And there's a reason for that. And uh, as much as I would love Sheffield United to do really well, I think it's just more of a coincidence. But it is a good talking point. And that's the reason why I've raised it on social media in different places to make people aware of it, is that there's a reason behind this. And... uh, Again, if I'm Major League Soccer headquarters, I'm worrying about this. So if I'm looking at the next TV contract and I'm one of the big uh, broadcasters, I'm worrying about this. Why is it happening the way it is? And to me, it all comes down to the structure of the league, the way that the, the playoff system, the calendar, the, the, the problems that Major League Soccer have are a huge amount of problems. They're structural problems. They're some of the most important problems within, within the game itself. And they keep on adding on more, more teams. St. Louis this week, more expansion teams, more money pouring in, more stadium deals. You mean, and those are not fixing the issue. It's just compounding the issue. 
So I really feel at some point, hopefully... And they're never even willing to acknowledge any of the issues. So right. um, I, mean, I was struck by uh, Alex Morgan following winning the World Cup made a criticism of, of, of the pay-to-play system and how uh, youth soccer is structured in the U.S. Garber is asked about it directly by um, I, our friend Steve Brenner. Um, yep. writes for the Guardian here in South Florida, uh, based here in South Florida, here in uh, in uh, the Fort Lauderdale area, and he uh, Garber's response is, "Oh, she she must not know what's going on in the men's game. She's talking. That's the, must be the way it is in the women's game. Are you kidding me? Wow. <laughs> I mean, it was I, I, that's quote because I, I I had read and and heard what Alex Morgan had said, and when um, asked about it by Brenner, Garber gave this. I just just myopic response when there has been so much conversation about the pay to play system and the academy system. And also this comes right after the MLS academies have uh, essentially and USSF have snaked the other DAs uh, and made the, the, the problem much worse. So they're living in some sort of um, at least their executives are living in some sort of alternate reality. So I don't Bubble. know if they would acknowledge the problems with television ratings anymore. At one time they did. At one yeah. time, they were very honest with us and very candid with us. We need this is the biggest problem we have. We need to get these numbers up. Uh, now, I think you have the litany of excuses, which is uh, uh, this is always based on just these sort of uh, counterintuitive arguments. Because if you if you lay them all on a piece of paper, all the arguments they make about why their TV ratings are the way they are, they they tend to contradict one another. If you take them if you take them individually, maybe they make you might give them some credence. But then when you put them all uh, against one another, you realize they're just throwing whatever sticks against the wall, and and that's the that's the reason too that uh, I mean, Chef United is one example. It's a, it's a litmus test to look at. It's kind of a the real way to look at the value of a league or a value of, of TV ratings because there's 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 no outside influences. The numbers measure what people are watching. So when you have a Chef United. A club that most Americans probably don't know much about until this season. I mean, most most soccer fans, diehards, yes, of course, but most fans would not. And that those teams are getting twice as many viewership as Major League Soccer teams. They've been around for quite some time. They've built up a, a good fan base. There's a problem there. Um, but and again, I just wanted to mention that, and that's one of the reasons why I think that the TV ratings are so important. Next up is an interview that we have with Juan Carlos Rodriguez, who is the head of Tudo Ene, uh, the brand new renamed uh, soccer sports centric channel. They used to be known as Univision Deportes Network. It's rebranded, uh, has a new look and feel, has a partnership with Televisa, uh, one of the biggest broadcasters in Mexico, and has more of a focus on Liga MX. But also, of course, as we learned last season, picking up the rights to the UEFA Champions League in Spanish, UEFA Europa League, and much, much more. So this past week, I had a chance to sit down and uh, conduct an interview with Juan Carlos. I asked him a lot about uh, to do NA in terms of um, where it's heading and what the vision is. I also focused in on a couple of key points, and that talks about the, the Bundesliga, and the relationship with Bundesliga right now, they have their Spanish language rights. And knowing that it looks likely that ESPN Plus has picked up the English language rights, the likelihood that um, uh, Univision and Tudo Ene would be interested in the Spanish language rights to that league for the future, as well as talking about Chivas TV, 
which is the uh, streaming product that uh, currently has the rights to home Chivas games uh, in League MX, and whether or not Univision and Tudu NA would be interested in, the, in those rights and where those discussions are, plus much, much more. So it's a good uh, glimpse at the Spanish-language side of the soccer uh, viewing experience in the United States, which has big implications. Um, Univision, out of all of the broadcasters in the United States, no matter what language, Univision broadcasts more soccer than any other network and uh, and also at the end of the day has the greatest number of um, viewing figures when you look at the kind of a, as a lump sum so they're a big player and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this interview with Juan Carlos Rodriguez yeah so the first question I have is about uh, uh, to do yet uh, DNA is is what is the vi- what is the vision for uh, for the the channel? Like, I mean, obviously, it's a it's a new name, it's a new logo. It it seems refreshing, but but what changes can soccer fans expect um, from from the new partnership and, and and the new network? It was a natural evolution for the network because uh, the more relevant soccer becomes in the U.S the more relevant Liga MX will become in the U.S. Even though we are incredibly proud of our partnership with the MLS and super uh, fond of it and happy about it and proud about it, Liga MX has taken a very interesting role for the future because by having these games on primetime uh, on weekends, we believe that a huge volume of soccer will be driven by Liga MX regardless of language. Having said this, uh, for us it was a natural uh, evolution to try to put together the best of Mexico and the best of our Mexican side and get it going from various points of views. The best talent, the best technology, the best properties, the best reporters, the best reporters at site, the best uh, production team the best production skills, and so it made a lot of sense. This is not a a merge at all. This is a consolidation and a collaboration of two entities that that have the same interest and goal to broadcast and and, and amplify the message of Liga MX Soccer in the U.S. and in Mexico. So it made all the sense in the world. So would you say that <clears throat> there's a difference between the way that uh, Liga MX is uh, um, produced and, and uh, televised in Mexico versus uh, Liga MX in the United States, historically speaking? Is there a difference between the way that the, the leagues are, are uh, well, carried? It's the, same, it's the same that happens with the EPL. When, when NBC goes into the EPL, it's like a very close friend but it's a foreigner that it's part of the it's part of the of the ongoing situation but you're never you're never you never stop being a foreigner while when you when you're part of the real thing and you're outside then it's a lot easier to to flow into the mood of what this is so we have all reporters outside we are more relevant with our reporters at each of the teams we are more relevant with the players and the coaches. We are more relative with the with the managers. So, so it's a better in-depth access that we are granting by doing this. Mm-hmm. 
So, so for the for the viewers, for the soccer fans, uh, whether they speak English or they speak Spanish or I mean, whatever it may be, that they're uh, it's enhancing the coverage of of Liga Max. Um, what what about home games for for Chivas and also uh, San Luis? Uh, so in the specific case of, of Chivas, we publicly said it uh, more than a year ago that we did not have plans to continue under the same terms, and but we still we are still in negotiations with with Chivas to see if we can find a long-term partnership. We are, as you know very well, aware we've been building relationships with with teams for long term. And we want to continue with these long-term views. Uh, we love we love the Chivas family, we love the the Vergara's family, but at this point they they are looking for a shorter term, and we're looking for longer-term relationships that uh, might not help us to have a a smooth path to an agreement. We are definitely interested in having a long-term relationship with them and keep building the, the very important Chivas name into this market. And, and what about San Luis, uh, the, the, the newly promoted team to uh, Liga Max? It, it seems that they don't have a, uh, a broadcaster for the home games, uh, as far as I know. For them specifically, we have a very close relationship with Miguel Angel, uh, uh, the Spanish owner, and we'd love to be their home here. But there are a lot of details that need to be that need to be addressed before we come to an agreement. Okay. What about... Uh, we, have, uh, we have... Go ahead. Way more interest in Chivas today than in San Luis. Sure, sure. Uh, what about um, the English language uh, experience of watching Liga Max? Uh, any, any changes this season? Will, will games... Uh, I, I know in previous years you've had partnerships with uh, Fubo TV and, and I think uh, on Twitter also, but wh- where can... Um, Listeners who who maybe don't speak Spanish perhaps and just want to have English language uh, broadcast of uh, select uh, Liga MX games, where would they be able to find those? The first game day of Champions League, we're launching to the N Extra, which will be our digital play that will be aggregating all of the all of the games in English, and in partnership in partnership with our MVPDs and all of our distributors. We will give access to our audiences in partnership with the distributors to to the N Extra, so that they can digitally access and be able to see all of the relevant content that we're creating in English, both games and and short term content, short form content, and also uh, all of the overlapping games that we have in of uh, out of our linear networks. So, to give you an example, uh, a lot of Champions League games will be broadcasted in in this property, as long as uh, and, and also we will create a Sona Football, which is going to be like the like the red zone of the NFL for soccer dash European soccer dash Champions League that we will be broadcasting through through to the N Extra. So to the N Extra will be a very we're very proud and very happy to be launching that. Okay. In the in the next few weeks, and and that would be then where they can watch um, Liga Max in in in, uh, in in English also uh, for some of the games. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. 
Um, so, so what about uh, the Champions League? I mean, last season was the debut season, of course, Europa League too, as well as um, some other UEFA properties. Um, did it exceed your expectations? I mean, what was um, the, the feedback from, whether it was from advertisers or from or from partners in terms of how it went? And, and are there, will there be any, any additional changes or any uh, anything different uh, for this coming season? Yes, so... so lot of learnings from lot of learnings from from last years even though we've been doing soccer and, and we produce most of the soccer uh, impressions in this country both at, at on our on day basis and on prime time uh, the learning that we did last year which was our first year uh, were, are there's a lot of those and and what that means is we're gonna be not doing the same little mistakes that we did in the past. We had all these learnings that became opportunities that we're seizing. And to give you an example, we're, we're sending Christos Stoikov and Cristina Romero to create hundreds of pieces of short and long-form content out of Europe with the access that we get through Christo and the on-match on uh, way of doing things by Cristina in which we will be delivering on top of the games, a lot of the short and long-form content that is being required both by fans and by, by our sponsors. So, so the short-form short form con- content, is, is that something where, I mean, I mean this is a, a Spanish-language audience that is not used to watching Champions League football um, on, on, on Univision and, and, and all the networks uh, associated with it. Is that something where it's almost like a, a learning curve, talking about the history of some of these clubs that may not be as well-known? In, in, um... Both histories and both short form of the interviews that Cristo will have with Mourinho or with Pep. Or, uh, Cristo is an incredible uh, yep. concierge key to open magical doors in Europe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely one of the, one of the greats of the game, and and uh, somebody who's uh, definitely a scholar, Cristo uh, especially. But um, well, so what about? Um, I mean, it, it's been a it's been a probably probably a different summer in many ways for for uh, Univision in terms of not having the um, the women's World Cup rights and um, some some of the, the bigger tournaments that we've been used to kind of watching on Univision, and and at the same time too in in the past few weeks and actually a few days <clears throat> there's been um uh, la liga signing a new deal with bn sports there's been um talk about the bundesliga perhaps uh, signing a deal with espn plus but in each of these uh, conversations or negotiations uh, we're not hearing the name uh, uh univision as much is is there <clears throat> is there a change in philosophy or is it that uh Maybe there's more things to come that, that might happen where Univision might be involved or interested in acquiring uh, more soccer rights. No, I think we have a very robust portfolio across every four years. Our, our challenge with the FIFA events is that they did a deal with our competitor, and we're happy, we're happy to be where we are because, as we have said historically, we're in the business of making money. And, and, and giving value to our owners. And, and the prices for the properties and our FIFA properties today in the U.S. do not allow us to make money. So that, that's very clear. Number two, we are incredibly proud of the work they did for, for the Women's World Cup because they are elevating the game. And, and we are in the business of elevating the, the soccer 
both in men's and women's, and we're incredibly proud of what they did. And that puts us in a very unique position. We have create, we just created Lunes de Estrellas, which stands for Mondays of Stars. And Mondays of Stars, it's a one or two primetime games that will be broadcasted both in both cable networks, both in Mexico and the, in the U.S., of Liga MX uh, Women's League. It will be produced by women. It will be anchored and, and tailored by women. And, and we are very, very proud about, uh, about it. We're in the process. It was already launched, soft launched a couple of weeks ago. But we're very proud about it. And, and we will continue to make some noise once we get it. The, the beauty of soccer is that the dates are set and we have to jump into things. But with the incredible success of women's soccer in America, we just jump into that opportunity. So we eventually are going to bundle Liga MX uh, soccer with the U.S. national team women's soccer, with the Mexican national team soccer, and other, and other properties that we will try to acquire. We are strong believers on women's soccer in America could become a very, a very good potential of growth for businesses and sponsors and fans. So we need we need to support it and and push and make it happen. Yeah, that, that, that's exciting. It's good to hear too. And and actually, the TV ratings for a lot of the um, the, the women's games too um, have been impressive too on on Univision when when they've been aired on there. Um, I mean, coming up pretty soon, you're going to have the the next uh, some TV deal with um, the U.S. women's national team, the U.S. men's nas- national team, Major League Soccer. And uh, I think Don Garber has talk, talked about in the past um, uh, adding more things that to that package to make it more valuable. Um, is that something that... Our, our, our term expires on 22, so hopefully it's going to be far from now. Right, right, exactly. Hopefully it's going to be my grandchildren doing, doing those conversations. Okay. <laughs> Any plans to retire soon or, or, or it's just uh, far away? No, I, I, it's a couple of years at least. Yeah, right, there's that's no true. need to have that. Discussion. Yeah, I, I was just wondering if, if any conversations have started because, uh, in terms of, you mean not, not negotiations, but but in terms of what that package may entail. Not on our end, not yet. Not yet. Okay. We haven't heard anything. And then um, the, the Bundesliga. I mean, uh, you have the the, the Bundesliga goal, goal show, which is um, which, as far as I know, is is the only show on U.S. television that is a, a Bundesliga highlight show. That's, um, I mean, definitely recommended for, for viewers to, to watch. That as far as you understand, we love our friends from the Bundesliga in many ways. They are an incredibly professional group of yeah. executives. Their product is very valuable. I believe it's a bit under underestimated across the markets, but real core soccer fans, we we should all view more Bundesliga because it's a very good property. Yeah, yeah, and and the television production is uh, f- fantastic in terms of the, the use of cameras and I mean and everything that they supply to the different broadcasters in terms of uh, access and uh, they are very very good at what they do. Incredibly professionals. Absolutely, absolutely. It, as far as you understand, is this the the final year of um, the the agreement with between Univision and, and uh, the Bundesliga, and then and then they go, then it moves on to ESPN. So for that we can no for that we can tell you that we are in the process of discussions. Okay, excellent. That's good news. Um, so so 
as far as um, all the changes that have happened um, with uh, to do pardon me to do ENA, um, any any new talent, uh, any new people coming on board, uh, any any changes in in that regard? We're missing one person. I'm not going to tell you the name because we haven't done the deal yet. But we're missing one person, one very relevant from our industry that we're trying to move to the to our roster. After that, I think we're all set for the next few years to continue being the super leaders in 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 our in our sector. So. So the kind of the, the basically the last question I have is is about about TV rights. Is that I mean when I speak to um, I mean I speak to ESPN or speak ESPN Deportes or speak to Telemundo or, or other channels, uh, other networks, um, the same the same conversation is had where there are, and, and you mentioned it briefly in terms of um, rights fees, in terms of the the, the value, the the price. The expectation of those rights fees continues to increase and increase into almost extortionate levels where it is very difficult for broadcasters to try to figure out a way to to actually break even to to be to make a profit um, which goes against the whole concept of you mean acquiring rights and and then broadcasting that channel or, or that league is that something i mean do you think it's we're in a bubble do you think there's um there's uh, that those no, those numbers those value will, will come down eventually um, as people are cord cutting and and there's uh, yes there's demand for live sports but it must put put you and, and other executives in a difficult position where you mean th- those rights fees are extremely expensive. Yeah, let me let me give you some thoughts on that. I believe the rationality of acquiring rights. It's putting the industry in a point in which it seems like they shouldn't be growing more. However, due to the new platforms and the new consumption habits and the new opportunities ahead of us, there is someone who is, who is willing to disrupt the market with a strategic approach. So being rational and being strategic, which is strategic in our world, means I'm willing to pay more than what it's valued because it's relevant for me for whatever reason. As long as that keeps going and it will continue to happen, we're going to see the, the prices still up. So even though they are not rationally up, they're going to continue to keep growing because of the strategic value of having some specific rights and, and make business out of that. So I don't know mm-hmm. if I went around your question or yeah. I'm addressing it, but the answer is they will continue to keep growing regardless of the rationality of, of a regular business model. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, the, there is such a demand for, for it, and sometimes broadcasters are willing to pay extra just to you know, put themselves on the map or to, to make a statement. And then, um, you mean, it almost it seems to be that they're expecting losses, but it's... I mean, I mean that the one example I think of too is going back to uh, on the English language side is N- NBCSN, and before NBCSN they were what Versus, and then before that they were Outdoor Channel. Very few people knew who they were until they acquired the Premier League rights in 2013. Um, and I mean those rights have been increasing larger and larger. But on the English language side, I mean they put themselves on the map, and and, and now I think people know who that who that channel is. Um, and, and that's just one example. There's, there's many other examples out there. 
uh, Juan Carlos, uh, anything else that um, we didn't cover that you want to mention? I, I know that there's been discussion in the press about a private sale possibility. I'm guessing you probably can't talk much about that, but anything else that uh, we haven't covered that you, you do want to mention? That piece I can comment on on the rights. The last thing I would say is, and you asked me and I didn't answer before, was on La Liga. La Liga is a very good example of that. La Liga's result of where they stand to, of where they stand today, it's aligning aligning interest of people that that believe that the value for those rights is higher than what we can than what we can see from our point of view. Therefore, we don't have access to pay for those rights. All right, let's move on to listener mailbag. First up is Yannick Ramka. He says, congrats for your reporting on the BN Sports La Liga deal this past week. I also agree uh, agree that it's a surprise that um, this has to be viewed in the grander scheme of their partnership. Uh, anyways, I'm hearing that um, the Middle East and North Africa is still massively problematic for BN Sports. People who work with a few companies in the media space say it's uh, in the region say it's a disaster area at the moment. The economy, piracy, the spat with Saudi Arabia has driven pay TV into the ground. There are rumors that BN Sports may not necessarily be around for a long time, given uh, Turkey issues, Spain pullouts, problems in the Middle East and North Africa, U.S. carriage spats, etc. Although this is just a rumor, but not great developments, to be honest. And those are great points there by Yannick because yeah. uh, being sports is looked at as a global media player, um, but piracy is I mean, a major issue that could really, which which has hurt being sports. But um, in terms of, it could possibly devalue um, the rights fees out there, out there and create a whole host of other problems. But they're definitely going through some issues there. Hopefully they'll be fine. But um, everything is not uh, roses um, around the world. Next up is Nash Rambler. Uh, Relevant Sports was briefly mentioned in the last podcast. My understanding from you and the others uh, that was reported was that Relevant Sports had been hired by La Liga to negotiate the next U.S. television rights deal or at least be heavily involved in consulting and, and advising La Liga in the next U.S. TV deal. I have to conclude that La Liga have completely ignored any advice they were getting from Relevant Sports Unless there is a sub-licensing deal, continuing with BN means that most Americans, for, for most Americans, their only chance to see a live TV broadcast of Messi playing in a competitive match for Barcelona will be on a Saturday, or uh, will be on Saturdays when Barcelona makes it to the Champions League final. So, some good points there by Nash Rambler. I think it's one of those things that, that yes, the deal that was done with Relevant Sports, where they did a partnership for the next fourteen years, I think it's fourteen or thirteen years to work closely together to uh, go ahead and broker and sell the rights uh, and increase the value of that. I think this was really circumvented completely by by the global deal uh, that La Liga and BN Sports, uh, as we reported last week, that according to one of my sources, did a private deal together. So that, that, that takes relevant sports completely out of the loop. Um, relevant sports would be able to add more value in terms of ticket sales. Uh, a lot of the La Liga promotions that they're doing I'm sure this season we'll hear more about uh, La Liga trying to get one of the official games, the league games played in the United States, uh, as well as maybe partnering with ICC and doing some other events. 
So there's a lot of work that Relevant Sports um, has been doing and will be doing, I'm sure, to grow La Liga in the States, as well as um, this past week, too, they launched uh, two new channels on YouTube, on, on social media. I think it's called La Liga Zone, which they've hired uh, Jimmy Conrad. So he's doing a weekly show uh, taking you into Spain and talking about the history and the, the stories and, and the traditions from these clubs. And they have also have one on the, on the Spanish language side, too. Um, and they both look really well done. So they're, they're definitely doing things behind the scenes. I will agree with Nash Rambler, the, the two, in terms of uh, their involvement in the TV rights deal and, and uh, trying to find a bigger, better uh, broadcaster. Uh, that didn't work out. But again, at the end of the day, I think money talks and uh, that, that fee, whatever being be sports, uh, paid or offered or promised to La Liga must have been astronomical. Next up is the original Tom. He says, I disagree with those who feel that MLS should play a winter schedule. One reason that I feel it's uh, overlooked is that a summer schedule shelters the MLS from direct competition and comparison with European club soccer and thus gives it a window in the marketplace. I like that the MLS Cup final uh, is at a time when there are no other finals being played, the Champions League and the, and the Cup finals, to compare it to and that the season begins at a different time. It gives us space in the marketplace. Next up is Ken in Utah. Ken says, Gentlemen, over this summer I have expressed via Twitter that this podcast has a anti-MLS bias, which you have responded and have uh, denied that there is a bias, and I appreciate that response. Last week, however, Kartik and the Gaffer mentioned how MLS should move to the August-May calendar which I don't think we did. I mean, we were talking about it, but I don't think that's the solution. But anyway, I, I disagree with this opinion, but if you would put on your MLS commissioner caps on and address a couple of issues, I may come around to your viewpoint. Issue number one is competition. As a more than casual but less than serious MLS fan, I enjoy watching soccer in the summer. Once college football, basketball, NFL, and NBA start up, my evening uh, viewing priorities shift to those sports. I believe MLS would lose the casual fan by going to a winter schedule. How would you fix this? Do you have the ratings numbers from previous years of MLS in July versus November? All right, so Kartik, before we move on to this next point, let's talk about that for a little bit too, is that um, out of all of the issues that Major League Soccer has, the calendar is probably one of the most um, difficult. It's, 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 it's doable. It's possible. Me, from my side personally, I would look at the count. I mean, it's such a big country, and there's such a big difference in terms of weather, uh, and there's so many different variables. Um, I would like to see at least the to looked at to looked at almost a similar similar to Mexico with Liga MX and having a split season, and maybe having a Southern League where you have most of the the teams that are in the South uh, playing into the winter time, the fall time when, when the weather is decent down here. Um, when you can't play up in Minnesota, you can't play in, in different places up north because the weather is so bad. And then in the summertime, looking at uh, playing in more of the, the northern states and having kind of a one schedule, one part of the season that's the southern side uh, that, that goes into the, no the northern side in the second part of the, the, the season. And then having kind of rather than the east coast versus west coast uh, rivalry, having a south versus the north and figure figuring out a way if there's a way to do that. I don't know if that's possible, but that's one way to look at it, too, that doesn't um, uh, impact uh, well, it would impact in terms of when 
you mean your baseball's on or NFL, but like like you said, Kartik, sometimes maybe it's best to focus on what's best for soccer rather than what's best for uh, not competing against college football. What's your take on that, though, too? I mean, do you think that there's a way... I mean, do you think the August through May calendar, that's the way it should be? Or should there be some variations on that? There could be some variations on it. But I think uh, a, a large percentage of your audience um, is, uh, is captured from August to May because they're watching other soccer leagues or they're involved in youth soccer. And especially at the lower division level, I can tell you youth soccer is a disproportionate amount of your you're paying ticket base and we uh i the clubs i've worked with and the leagues i've worked with struggle over the summer for for audience because uh youth soccer you can't organize youth soccer groups now you can you can get parents and kids and maybe you have a little more flexibility because they can stay out stay up later that sort of thing particularly with midweek matches uh but you can't get an organized group of uh, of, of hundreds of kids and, and players and coaches to games over the summer so that's Part of my thinking on August, May, in addition to, I think, from a competitive standpoint, in terms of, of, of lining up transfer windows and also um, aligning, and I've talked to many coaches about this, aligning with generally the FIFA calendar for when you got you want your players peaking to play in internationals, etc. Um, it all has a benefit, and I think a big part of uh, the whatever compromise would make, be made would be around the winter break and how you schedule uh, teams that uh, don't uh, that that are in cold weather climates away from home maybe in November and February and you have that break in December and January and uh, as well uh, avoiding the constant pitfalls of weather delays or oppressively hot weather in uh, the summer in large portions of the country. I've also been told by coaches since we're rehashing this I should say that um, a lot of them are concerned that. Uh, particularly it's getting hotter and hotter in this country, that it's difficult to optimally train your players, particularly young players, to get them up to a certain level for international competitiveness because we're, we're competing in an international marketplace as the United States. Uh, to, uh, if, you're, if, if the bulk of your season are in the hottest months of the year. So your training sessions inevitably are shorter or they're less intense or they get scrubbed completely because of thunderstorms and other extreme weather. Now, obviously you have these concerns in the winter also, but coaches tell me it's, uh, or coaches who are former players have told me, oh, well, you know, it's easier to play in cold weather than it is in, a, in, in warm weather. That's probably true, but you don't want to play in extreme cold weather either. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's no easy answer, but I think uh, there are a lot of reasons for considering uh, the shift. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think a lot of it depends on what the priorities are. So are you trying to, if you're, I mean, USSF and you're Major League Soccer and, and you're having discussions about how best to change the calendar to, to benefit. Okay, so what's the first benefit? Is that, is that attendance? Is that TV ratings? Uh, is that um, the players in terms of um, uh, making sure that they're at the maximum peak fitness uh, is that f to help with the national team and also for the club team? Is that in terms of uh, player sales, transfers, how those all align? There's so many different factors there. So a lot of it is based on the priority. Uh, and, and that has an impact on, on the schedule. I mean, one of the questions from Ken was, okay, uh, TV ratings uh, from previous years of Major League Soccer, July versus November. November should be the time when those TV ratings go up because there's the playoffs and there's the MLS Cup final and a lot of things happening. The reality is, is that the TV ratings are usually better in July because there's not much else on, on television. So more people watching Major League Soccer 
um, when there's you know nothing. I mean, baseball's on, yes, but there's no NFL or college football. Uh, Ken's second point is weather. He says the weather in northern states like Utah, Minnesota, Ohio, etc., miserable in December and January. How would you fix this so that attendance wouldn't drop? And, and for me, I, I wouldn't be playing games in those in those states at that time of the year. Uh, again, I would be looking at a schedule that would um, take best advantage of of the teams and where they're located. And you mean Miami in the winter time would be perfect. That'd be the the ultimate place to go ahead and play soccer, as well as you got teams from Orlando, Atlanta, other places too, where the weather is fantastic. Um, Ken goes on to say. Um, six week a winter break for six weeks play a lot of games in california and florida thanks for your efforts uh, ken and utah so so yeah ken i think we've answered most of those questions there too but um something needs to be done and this whole kind of sticking to the plan of doing it march through november and not changing anything really other than maybe moving up a, a couple of weeks it's not going to have any dramatic impact at all. It's just it's business as usual, really. And with more teams expanding, it's become, it's going to become more and more of an issue. Um, but MLS seems to be focused on, okay, let's not try to change things. Let's keep the, things the way they are. Uh, and let's keep on getting these expan- expansion fees and keep on, on growing this league from a, a stadium perspective. Pat Haggerty says, uh, hey all, I've grown accustomed to seeing the lineups on NBC Premier League broadcast at the bottom of the screen while players are in the tunnel. I haven't seen this, uh, I haven't seen it this new season and I don't really see them at all in the 15 minutes or so before the game. They're still doing lineups at the start of the second half, but I'm curious to know uh, why they are, I guess, not running them before the game. Can you help? So, Pat, yeah, so I reached out to NBC Sports to ask them this question, and they came back, and actually the production team said that um, they apologised. There was one game, which I think was the Arsenal game in the first week of the season, where they weren't able to run the uh, the team lineup uh, within about 15 minutes before the game had started. That was the only one that they missed, so they went back to every other game that they showed uh, in, in the pre-match and uh, confirmed that the team lineups were showed are shown um, appropriately and correctly before the match started, and it's just just that one Arsenal match. So, so uh, good question there, and uh, thanks to NBC Sports for uh, getting back to us to to make sure that uh, we're on the page on the ball as far as that stuff goes. Siad uh, Siad says thanks for your very informative podcast. This is a unique place where soccer fans can find useful facts about TV and streaming of the beautiful game in the USA. There are so many topics that I would like to comment on, but for today, let me say something about ESPN FC as the only daily TV show that has the ambition to cover world soccer. It's obvious that one of the consequences of the paywall method uh, behind with ESPN Plus is restrictions of the highlights. It looks like this year NBC has followed Turner Sports and Bleacher Report, where they have denied ESPN access or ESPN FC or ESPN FC, the show itself, access to EPL highlights. You said that ESPN FC pundits must have deeper analysis. Unfortunately, that means that they will spend more time in verbal explanation and not uh, use their own media as an additional tool in analysis. Because of that, ESPN FC is just a good radio audio podcast, not the full TV show. Last weekend, ESPN FC uh, talked in detail about VAR introduction in EPL, but without visual explanation, very often presenters need additional time to articulate their own point. 
The best example was discussion about a disallowed Wolves goal against Leicester uh, or a penalty in the UEFA Super Cup. If I can accept the highlights issue as an excuse, I really don't understand why they do not use additional graphics in explanation of tactical changes. Last year, they talked about the way how Maurizio Sarri had, had used or misused Jorginho, but we have never been we have never seen any additional visual help. Or this year's uh, Zidane's uh, experiment with three defensive men. How will that change Casemiro's or Hazard's role and position? What really means Neymar? Uh, who, who really needs Neymar as a fourth attacker for Barcelona? Did anyone in history of the top world football ever try to do that? Why not sit in the archive room, check out YouTube and the football history? Well, that requires more production efforts, more preparation. E in ESPN stands for entertainment. I, and I understand that somebody would like to know more about Italian food or the shepherd's pie. But for me, ESPN FC is the only TV source for European soccer. With better production and use of the television as a visual media, that show can do much better. Now, Kartik, you're... Uh, an avid watcher of ESPN FC on ESPN Plus more than I am. I, I try to tune in whenever I can. Um, but what's your take on this one? Yeah, I think you know, it's it's somewhat uh, inconsistent in the sense that um, you only have a half an hour. Now they're not really hemmed in uh, time-wise, but they sort of are. Um, they get into some of these deeper topics and extra time when people ask questions. I, I, I respect all of those concerns, and there could be more uh, tactical analysis. There could be maybe uh, it, it's more difficult. It's like an audio podcast. And I, I have to uh, admit, I mean, I watch it on ESPN Plus often. I also uh, sometimes when I fall behind, audio podcast it <laughs> and, and just listen to it via my uh, my Apple podcast app. So um, I've been guilty of that also, and, and the explanations are sufficiently good for that. I, th- I do think um, there is... Uh, a, a limit to how deep a dive you can do when you want to cover as much as they cover. So um, the, oftentimes uh, you, you'll see that they uh, that they try and focus on uh, an individual match, uh, like uh, uh, Chelsea, Man United last week, like uh, Athletic, uh, Bilbao, Barcelona this week, and they're able to pull apart all of those things. Now, as far as larger like tactical trends. Uh, going three at the back, etc. Um, they generally catch on to that stuff uh, later after it's been a trend for a few weeks. And I, I think also oftentimes when Stuart Robson is in the studio, which he shows up once every month and a half or so, uh, they get into some of these deeper topics and, and, and more tactical perspectives. But I, I, I certainly do think there is room for improvement on the show, but also think that the show is absolutely indispensable, more indispensable than anything else we ha- uh, have access to in the U.S. It, it certainly does not help ESPN FC that they don't have the highlights to these EPL games. And um, it, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's, it's one of those unwritten, well, it's actually kind of un, unspoken um, deals. Well, actually, it's not even unspoken. The deals are usually done that you know, B in sports will say, OK, we'll give you the highlights to La Liga, and have you show them on you know, ESPN FC if in return we can get highlights from some of the MLS games and be able to go ahead and show those on our shows. And, and BN Sports is probably a bad example because they're the ones that, historically speaking, have not liked to actually share the rights with other broadcasters. 
um, even with Sports Center and places like that too, uh, it, each show would have to ask the, uh, the, the other broadcaster for permission to go ahead and use those highlights. But for whatever reason, which, which the reason would be competitive reasons, NBC so far this season has decided not to share the highlights, uh, goal highlights uh, analysis or, co- or coverage with ESPN FC. And it's competitive because yeah, ESPN building, I mean, they've got ESPN Plus, they're building this platform on the streaming side. NBC Sports, well, NBC, the giant uh, company, the Peacock, is supposed to be launching their own streaming service next year that uh, we're not sure in terms of how much um, sports coverage that will have or not, but they're building their own empire too. So at the end of the day, it hurts the soccer fans because, you mean, the broadcasters should be able to share highlights back and forth. It raises, you mean, uh, raises all of the levels in terms of making soccer more accessible if you've got coverage on SportsCenter and ESPN Plus and other places. Um and it, it makes the, the jobs of the broadcasters harder, too, if they have to try to analyze something and they don't have any, any footage to analyze it. And going back to uh, Syed's uh, comment, too, is that, uh, yes, you could do that and uh, use some other visuals or on-screen graphics or other things to try to f- represent what happened. But you could be spending 20 minutes on, on one game at a time. You, you could have a show that was three hours that would eventually go through all of those uh, points that you wanted to cover because you don't have the highlights to it and you had to recreate it. But by that point, you've lost the audience. So the audience is like, three hours, forget that. I want 30 minutes of news to catch me up every day. So it's it's a difficult position to be in. Hopefully, I mean, these things do change. Hopefully, uh, NBC Sports says, you know what, let's give you the, the, the highlights of these games uh, to ESPN FC. Um, and then vice versa, ESPN FC will provide things back to uh, NBC Sports as they need it. Um, and et cetera, et cetera, throughout, throughout all of the, the U.S. soccer universe in terms of the broadcasters that uh, they just share to help each other out. Anthony Bello says, uh, hi, guys, I had to turn off your podcast uh, last week after 15 minutes. When it comes to your views of the NBC coverage of the Premier League on opening weekend, you are wrong. I feel so strongly about this. I went back to my DVR, watched the coverage again and documented it. There wasn't as much coverage of Pulisic as you implied, not even close. In fact, from what I see in the other sports, the coverage of Pulisic was tame. Uh, Overcoverage of the main star of a sporting event is the norm in television because they are bringing the viewer in. If you thought Sunday was bad, you should see NFL games where the only players who are uh, hyped are the quarterbacks or in the NBA where it feels like only the best players on each team are talked about or in the Olympics where only eight or ten athletes are promoted going into the games. And Nancy goes on and on and on, giving more reasons why. And, and I totally get what, where he's coming from. Uh, but for you, Kartik, uh, and for me, Kartik especially, and for a lot of the viewership out there and listeners out there, we are dedicated to soccer. We love soccer. Our universe, for the most part, is mostly soccer watching. So I'm not watching NFL. I'm not watching uh, the Olympics. I, I'm watching it. I will. I will watch the Olympics. But I'm not watching all these other sports. I'm watching soccer. So I, I don't care how those other sports carry those uh, games or how they um, basically kind of hype up a team or a player or a group of players. I don't care about that. I'm watching soccer because I love soccer, and that's what that's what I want to watch. So um, to go ahead and analyze it based on how that compares to how other sports are done, and mostly American sports, I, I have I don't care to, to be honest with you. I love that's probably why I don't watch those sports. Is I think back, um, I uh, 
you know, I tuned out on in the NFL in the mid 2000s when it was becoming all about this quarterback or that quarterback or this superstar. Uh, the NBA, something very similar. Uh, Major League Baseball, I think, was less like that. I just got tired of baseball. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think uh, uh, there are more kind of aspects of baseball and the way it's 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 run and and, and uh, evolved that I respect from <laughs> coming from the perspective of a soccer fan. But yeah. I think that might be why a lot of us don't watch mainstream American professional sports. And let me put in addition, it's not just you and me. I think there are a lot of people who watch the Premier League on NBC who don't watch American sports. And that's generally been their fan base. And they haven't been they, – they, they, they've almost um, – you have to think about even the fan base of Major League Soccer, I think, tends to be this kind of um, outsider, you know, non-mainstream – a uh, lot of hipsters support MLS, and they tend to re- reject, just in general in society, like celebrity-driven coverage or personality-based coverage. So I think that that's – you have to think about who's actually watching soccer in this country. And I, I would include Major League Soccer. In I, uh, I, yeah, see, I, I don't see Major League Soccer in, the, in that same bucket. I see Major League Soccer as mostly a – lot, a lot of the fan base is not being hipster, is, is focused more. Uh, well, not not in the supporters groups, Chris. I mean, we're, we're well, seeing that again these last few weeks that I think – Yeah, in the supporters MLS groups. MLS misjudged who actually – who actually watches their league and who actually pays for merchandising yeah. is tuned into their league. Now, they have casuals that show up at games on Saturdays, uh, but I think the hardcore MLS audience is very much in that vein, just like the Premier League. I, I would say that, So, but the hardcore audience that are in those supporters groups that are hardcore are a much smaller segment of the overall population of MLS mm. fans. I'd say the majority of MLS fans are more... Not as diehards. They're they're more yes. They 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 support their team, um, but they don't care so much about um, the, the rest of the league or the or the rest of the teams. Um, they will be watching probably more NBA or NFL or college football, and maybe that's part of the reason why that national television ratings, you mean, aren't as big as as they are because you have a, a small set of diehard fans that watch their team, don't care about the rest of the league, and then you've got the other subset of those more mainstream fans that watch other American traditional sports that um, are not going to be as avid or, I mean, so essentially what I'm saying at the end of the day is I believe that European soccer, uh, you, you can include uh, Liga Mex in this too, I mean, uh, Mexican soccer have a much larger group of diehard fans that will go above and beyond and do whatever it takes and will watch the, the, their team or that league, um, whatever time those games are shown, then Major League Soccer, which may be, those fans, other than the hardcore supporters group, which is a smaller percentage, they're going to be a little bit less um, entrenched in that league or interested in that league. Martin Mulcahy says, uh, looks like Fox Soccer has dropped the German man cave set for a traditional set. Not a bad idea, I suppose. Um, also, I've seen that they're doing full coverage with games on FS1 this past weekend. I don't hold out much hope of it being consistent given the last couple of years of coverage. But, um, yeah, Martin, so far so good. The only issue I would have is that um, the both the opening game of the season was an FS2, and actually this Friday's game is on FS2 also. And I think last week is, it was because of golf coverage. Uh, this week I'm not sure if it's golf or something else. Uh, that's the shame of it in terms of, um, the, you mean, kind of the commitment levels and contractual problems that Fox has with having the Bundesliga um, but so far, so good. So far, so good in terms of at least having kind of the uh, one of the major sets on Fox to broadcast the Saturday games on FS1. 
Uh, two more to go. So For the Culture says, uh, how MLS screwed up the ske- scheduling of another showcase match, we'll never understand. And this goes back to Portland against Atlanta, 10 p.m. Eastern on FS1 last Sunday. This match should not have been buried at 10 p.m. on a Sunday. Does MLS just not care about its TV schedule? And again, we go back to the question about the calendar and the question about priorities. What is the priority for Major League Soccer? And I think really it seems to be attendances, is is butts in the seat, selling tickets, um, and then hoping that uh, television comes along behind that and, and uh, people are interested. To me, that that's the reason that you would have a game at a 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern, or 7 p.m. Pacific time on the West Coast, perfect time on a, on a Sunday evening to, for a game in Portland to, to against Atlanta. It does not uh, does not attract a large viewership on on the East Coast um, from a fan base that isn't that diehard. But that's my take on that. Last but not least, Cody Wickle says, Hey guys, very random question. I've seen in the past that Fox Sports has the broadcast rights in the US to show at least some of England's international friendlies, similar to how the US men's national team splits up rights between ESPN and Fox Sports. I was just wondering how many similar examples there are of channels, companies having the right to air friendlies of specific national games or national teams. Uh, Thanks and keep up the great work. So, Probably a good example of this, Kartik, would be um, would be some would be Soccer United Marketing and uh, the Mexican national team and um, uh, being able to actually sell those rights in the United States. Uh, previously, those have been with Fox Sports. So in the build up to the last World Cup, uh, Fox had those rights to on the English language side to Mexican um, team games, all the friendlies, and then we had uh, the Spanish language side. Um, usually Univision showing those games Uh, but going back to Cody's question too about England uh, when it was the deal for the FA Cup when Fox had the FA Cup uh, included in those rights I believe with England national team friendlies too Uh, but now that Fox has lost those rights to the FA Cup um, they lost the rights to England international friendlies too so you'll see I think uh, probably beginning this fall and and, and uh, forthcoming, you'll see probably a lot more of those games on ESPN or ESPN Plus or ESPN News. Um, but yeah, it's um, so to answer your question, there are examples of other companies that uh, have rights to specific uh, countries, and then we'll buy those rights and show those friendlies. And uh, other times, it might be on a case by case basis. Let me uh, point out real quickly here that. Um, UEFA has bought back the rights for qualifiers and Nations League uh, home matches from uh, the English FA as well as from um, all the FAs around uh, UEFA. And um, so there's a, there's a little bit of a, a, a split between the rights for friendlies and the rights for qualifiers or slash Nations League matches. Although I, I think uh, those Nations League matches are on ESPN anyway in this country. And uh, the qualifiers, I believe, are split between uh, Fox and ESPN. I'm not, I'm not uh, totally sure. I would have to actually check because we're in a, we're in a new cycle, obviously. Yeah, I haven't seen anything from Fox about um, some of the games that they'll be showing. So I, I believe it's mostly, if not all of them, on um, ESPN or ESPN+. Plus. Um, but again, we'll have to wait and see. Some of those schedules actually have been coming up for the, 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 the first uh, international break, which is coming up in, um, I think, the first or second week of September. And so far, all the games I've seen coming up on the schedule have been on ESPN um, or ESPN Plus or ESPN News, one of the ESPN channels. 
Um, but to get, it looks like Fox is pretty much out of out of club soccer, and they're pretty much withdrawn from most of European soccer, uh, even on the national side, unless it's um, the Bundesliga for the the club soccer. And if it's a, a random friendly where it might be, say, the U.S. Men's, men's national team against, say, Portugal or somebody. Um, and even then, they're splitting those games between ESPN and, and Fox on the English language side. So, yeah, good question there, Cody. <clears throat> so you can always reach us via email uh, if you have any good questions to ask or uh, want some advice or rants and raves or you disagree with us or agree with us uh, via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on the website worldsoccertalk.com. So thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, Overcast, and worldsoccertalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. And once again, uh, thank you for listening to our show. We really appreciate your feedback. Uh, your feedback is really what drives this show. And uh, we really appreciate any and all comments you guys send in. And we try to read out as much of those as possible. Uh, so thank you once again. And Kartik heading into another week of soccer. We've got the weekend with Serie A picking up, uh, starting off. Uh, as well as uh, other leagues from around the world. Lots of things to look forward to. What should they do? Enjoy your football. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.